Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, our lovely cult members and everyone else, and welcome to Pajama Night. It's time to slip into something more comfortable and listen to stories of women you may not have heard of while drinking wine with your favorite vagabonds. I'm Kelly. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I want to go to bed. I'm so cozy. I'm so cozy. So cozy and warm. Seriously, this was, I feel like this was a great idea when we talked about it. And now I'm just like, why am I not in bed right now with my three dogs slipping into like a Frasier coma? coma? Yeah. yeah. Falling asleep to Frasier, I have to say, gives you like really good, sophisticated wine centered dreams. I feel like, yeah, that would happen. Yeah. Kelsey, you introduce yourself at Kelsey any point? Kelsey Grammer's voice, man. I know. That's who, that's who I am. I am Kelsey Grammer's voice. No, I sound <laughs> way too much like shit for that to even be funny. I'm Emily. I, I'm you tra- guys know I'm this. I'm trying to think, like, who, who has that, like, raspy style voice? Because there are some actors oh, and yeah, actresses that have yeah. it, but I can't think of any I always, off the top of I always think of, um, I believe it's Karen Kilgariff of the My Favorite Murder podcast. Yeah. She's got the sexiest She's that, like, vocal smoky, fry. like, oh. yeah. And I'm like, man, if losing my voice gave me a sexy vocal fry I'd be okay with it but I just sound like a prepubescent 12 year old boy whose balls like simul- are like dropping and receding <laughs> on like at their own will like I have no control over when my voice cracks it's fucking awful so here's the, here's a funny thing. So I, I I may have said that while while drinking wine but neither of us are drinking wine. Nope. So she gave blood. So she's drinking orange aid. And I didn't feel like drinking wine alone, but I am drinking. My husband made me an amaretto sour, which is like my new favorite drink. But feel free to drink wine or your beverage of choice belong to this podcast. You know, as much as we advocate for wine drinking, we're not saying that you have to drink to have fun. Plenty of people don't drink for a billion different reasons. And those reasons are none of your fucking business. Just let people enjoy their orange aid. Yeah, it's and fucking delicious. Blood. I'm like, I can't get it all the way up. Shit. The the people listening to just the A and not watching the V are like, what is with this awkward grunting? (laughs) You have to leave it in now. (laughs) (laughs) So this, yes, as I said, this is our V episode for our patrons who we love. So they're getting to see us and all our weird hand gestures and our pretty, pretty pajamas. Emily's over here in a Jack Skellington onesie, which I is feel adorable. So fancy. You were actually with me when I bought this. I know. And this that was, was a like long time ago. the only time I truly utilized social media because there was a shark onesie and a Jack Skellington onesie. And I was like, I don't know vote. what to pick. And then we like wandered around took, Target while we waited Walmart. for people to vote. Yeah. It was at Walmart. And so I took pictures of me holding both with like the pros and cons of each. And I was like, okay. Hey, we're going to take a lap around Walmart and whichever one wins is the one I'm buying. And unsurprisingly, Jack Skellington won in a landslide. Shocker. I still want the shark onesie though. I want to be Jaws in bed. <laughs> That'd be great. I yes. hope it has like a fin. That'd be fantastic. <gasps> oh my God. Um, and I'm just over here wearing a cute little like two piece and let's see if I can do this. Fuzzy socks. <laughs> um, but yeah. I was going to wear a penguin two-piece, so it's like a little shirt and pants, and I wore um, a tank top because nobody needs to see that. Um, <laughs> honey, I was gonna honey wear one with everyone pa- wants to see That's that. That's No true. one needs to, but everyone wants uh, to. I was going to wear it with pajama- uh, penguins. penguins, which are one of my favorite animals, um, but I couldn't find the bottoms. 
Just, just, gone just bottomless. par for the course. Hey, I could have. That's, that's more standard for what I actually sleep in, which is why I say this is a pajama party yes. and not like a sleepwear, like what we actually sleep in, because yeah. I would, I would just be wearing underwear. Though. I will say in the age of COVID and zoom meetings, like for you to not wear pants would be entirely culturally appropriate. I've actually been very proud of myself, except for today, every day this week. So like sometimes I'm lazy and I usually just wear like sweats and stuff, but I've been like getting kind of mentally down. And so every day this week I actually got up, I put on a, a bra and I actually like got dressed. I mean, Meaning it was like a jeans and a nice shirt. But yeah. I got out of my sweats. Yep. Except for today where I was just like, I'm fucking tired. It's I'm wearing Friday. Sweat no pants. one gives a shit. It's casual Friday. Casual Friday, motherfuckers. <laughs> but so I was I was very, very proud of myself. And that's like my new goal is like at least three to four days a week. I just yeah. wanna get up and like get and it makes me feel more human. Well, when when everything first shut down and I was working from home full time, that was one of the things I was like transitioning back into the office is going to really suck if I immediately just devolve into jammies all day, every day, like no showering, nothing. So I actually maintain my schedule, my regular schedule for a long, long time. And now I go back in the office a few days a week. And then the two days I work from home, it's kind of like hit or miss if I shower, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. And you need to be too. (laughs) Right. I know my hair is probably pretty messy today because I didn't shower but i showered yesterday it's so a jamma party no one cares exactly <laughs> all right well uh we're talking about what we're drinking yeah. orange aid and amaretto sour just really we're really quick uh public service announcement if you want to see all of the majesty that we are describing you can subscribe to our patreon for as little as one dollar a month uh and for our patrons who are already watching this this is just for you we also have a new sneak peek at merch for our patrons. Yeah, I'll post a I'll post a picture within the video as well. Um, but you may or may not be seeing some of these in the mail to you soon. I think it is disgusting that we've gone two years and we haven't made coasters yet. Um, I will just say that our logo looks fantastic it, on a coaster. It is crisp as hell. Like I'm, I'm impressed. I thought blown up, it might start to get pixelated. I was a little bit worried about that, but then when they sent me like the proof, I was like, damn, that looks good. Hopefully it looks that good actually on a coaster. It does. It looks amazing. It looks better than I ever thought it would. My, even my husband, when I got them was like, damn, your logo looks good on a coaster. So those midsummer pugs can go fuck themselves because we have logo They're cute as hell, but this is better. No, this is, this is, we have arrived. We have our own coasters. We're Cheers. To cheers coasters. To, cheers to coasters. Always be and, a coaster. And patrons. Ooh. Yours is very, like, clinky with the ice. It also rattled because of the spoon. Oh, my God. This shit's good. Have you not had the orange one before? No, I've only had the, like, strawberry pink lemonade one. The orange And I brought one of each. And I so know. you chose the orange Because I haven't had it it's yet. Good. It's really good. They also good. have a blueberry flavor. Mm. It's not as good. Mm. Like, there's... There's not as much, like, there's, like, this is, it tastes like orange. It, it almost tastes like tang. It's like yeah. borderline tang. Yeah. The blueberry one doesn't taste like blueberry very much. There's like, it just it's like, like it's sat blue. next to a blueberry. Uh, it's like the LaCroix of blueberries. It's the LaCroix of blueberry lemonade. Jesus Christ. I, we were I, discussing this earlier that we don't like LaCroix because it tastes like something, it tastes like water that was carbonated and then sat next to whatever fruit 
they, it says it was in they there. They showed it a picture of a strawberry and they were like, taste Tastes like slightly this. like this. Yeah. <laughs> don't overdo it. Don't like stress yourself out. But like if you could give the impression right. of a strawberry. I can't drink carbonation, but when I could, like I tried like two different flavors of LaCroix and both of them I was like, why? Man, you know what? I don't want to yuck on anyone's yum, but I am personally offended. Yeah. I feel if you like LaCroix, LaCroix, good for you. I do not like LaCroix. Yeah. And I don't like you. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting very Emily's getting passionate. very aggressive. I'm, I, it's weird. I'm totally sober and uh, I'm feeling fighty as hell. I think it's because my voice is gone and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about nothing anymore. <laughs> well, that's good because you know what? You get to start. Ah, I get to get it over with and then just like chill back in my Jack Skellington jammies. That come with I do. Heart. I do have a pretty good story today. I'm I'm very excited about my story. I actually saved this for the video episode because there's going to be a lot of emoting, Ooh. a lot of hand gestures. Mm. Things might go flying. Gravity is not on our side today. Things have already gone flying. We literally almost like tanked that whole bookshelf, and Kelly threw her glass across the room. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it was an adventure setting up for you to watch our mics were falling like if this looks put together it is hanging on by a thread right now right it's (laughs) one of those things that if the camera wasn't on everything like have you seen those like cardboard things where everything stays up just long enough and then the person turns around and everything just falls over yeah that's that's the whining about her story we're like those instagram influencers that take a picture with someone else's car to make them look better (laughs) like everything outside of this picture is all an illusion Actually, there's actually, like, in the background, I think that's Justin's. I think it's a coin bank, but there's a creepy clown fucking I hate that clown. Can we smash that clown? Uh, You'd have to ask Justin. I have always hated it. It has always been in this house and the apartment we lived in, and I'm like, why? I don't know. What do you hate worse, that or that bear? Uh, <laughs> so we have this bear it's not even creepy it but is. it's just like the head of a bear and it's something that's it's like a christmas decoration that goes on a doorknob and, and it's emma, got a little red nose emily just finds it like the creepiest fucking thing on the planet so when we great. lived together she would like put it on my door so when i'd open the door in the morning that bear was there and i had a heart attack and i was like you know what you're not in my will i don't know why you're trying so hard to kill me i am worth nothing <laughs> right and it's just because she's a psycho anyway Let's talk about a non-psycho, because today I am whining about the savior of trains, Kate Shelley. Yes. The savior of trains. She is the patron saint of trains. Not the trains. She is the patron saint of trains. There's a Legend of Zelda game that's called Spirit Tracks, and it's about a train. And so I watched a video where they were talking about all the different, like, links, and so they call them the hero of trains. Yeah, because there's the hero of time, the hero of like the wind, and yep. then the hero of the trains. hero of trains. God damn! But she's not the hero of trains. No, she is the patron saint of trains, which is great. They can team up. They can be like a tag team. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for the jingling. It's my drink. It's it's kind of hot though. Like it hits my ear, and I just feel like very relaxed. ASMR. Like yeah, I'm like at a bar right now, and there's other people around. But it's like a classy bar, drinking good liquor, and that is a really. Do you want to try my Amaretto I'll have a little sip, just yeah, like a little, little nipper. Hold on. So originally we were just using uh, lemon juice and it wasn't as good, but now we bought actual like sweet and sour and it's really good. Are you just yeah. chugging it over there? You know, that's, I edit the video, right? I'll see it later. That's it's so really good, isn't fucking it? fucking good. Oh my God. My husband God. can make some mean drink. I wish I had more blood in my body right now. Ne- next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm or not next week because we're skipping next week, but I am lacking in blood. Okay. So some... we have our girls night. <laughs> okay. 
Some women live lives that are full of activism and excitement, but other women are rocketed into history through a single incredible act, like Kelly. <laughs> I don't know what that act is going to be. Yet, it's but this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is her legacy. Well, Kelly was born, and we don't know much about her, but then she did this awesome podcast. And it was great. And, and then Emily she died. was there. <laughs> and then she suddenly died. Kate Shelley is one of these women. I've never heard of her. I'm actually really excited about this because sometimes like I've hear I've heard bits and pieces of like the women you'll tell and it's like, oh, this is still really interesting. Yeah. But this woman I've literally never heard of. I I didn't recognize her name, but I started reading. I was like, I know this story, but I didn't know the details. So okay, I was very excited. So uh, born on December 12, 1863 in County Offaly, Ireland to parents Michael and Margaret Shelley. Maybe. That was actually a really good argument. I'm that was I'm proud of you. The Amaretto Sour gave me amazing powers. <laughs> uh hold on, let me try Scottish. No. No, it's gone. Don't insult them. Give me more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so December 12, 1863 was actually the date of her baptism in the Catholic Church, but her birth date on her gravestone is listed as September 25th, 1865. Which is two years later after the church records say she was um, baptized. Like, something, no, something is off somewhere. Yeah, like, no shade here. I just turned 30. I've seriously considered about lying about my age, too. But then I, I want like, to tell people I'm 30, and they're like, oh, like, all impressed. And the right. second they stop being like, oh, really? That's when I'm going to start lying about my age. That's when you go back to saying you're 30, even yes. if you're, like, 36 or yes, something. Yes, exactly. So when Cade was a year and a half or 18 months, as all of our mom listeners would say, because God forbid you use numbers that mean anything to anyone else, <laughs> her family immigrated to the United States, settling in Boone County, Iowa, where her father found work helping to build train tracks for the Chicago and Northwestern Railway. Nice. I'm, I'm full of voices today. You are. I like it. Good grief. I can't use my normal voice. And so it's like, it's like I like, must adopt other voices. It's like when you go blind and your sense of hearing improves, improves. my voice is crap. So now my accents are better. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So he's working for the railroad. He's building railways, doing his thing until he died of tuberculosis in 1878. Oh. I also read that he died in a train accident or that he drowned at the nearby Des Moines River, but either way... Either way, he died. He's he, dead now. He died, and it was not a fun time. Okay. Kate's brother would also drown in the Des Moines oh, River Jesus when he was Christ. just 10 years old. That's really depressing. Guys, babies... So to help support her family, which had now grown by three siblings, Oof. teenage Kate worked plowing, planting, harvesting, hunting, and helping to maintain their farm. Basically anything she could do, she did. Exactly. Okay. So up until this point, life was hard, but pretty typical for a rural family of the time, full of unexpected death and hard work. That sounds, that kind of sounds terrible, actually. That was actually the slogan of the 1800s. 1800, full of work. unexpected death and hard work. Oh, there needs to be a sticker. <laughs> Lots of TB. Yeah. Ton, just everywhere. Just everywhere. They were like, like you touch someone and it's like, oh, you have TB now. Yep. Yep. You just have to give it's someone a like dirty the Rona. look. God, <laughs> don't even say that, man. It's too late. <laughs> Get right. it it's out already of out there. Oh, I got my first vaccine and I'm already like feeling like I'm in control oh, of yeah. something. Being fully vaccinated, I'm like, oh. Life's already better, it's like a superpower. Do anything. So then came a date that would catapult Kate into history. Ooh. July sixth, 
1881. The area had been saturated by fierce rainstorms for a week, and this one was threatening to push the Des Moines River to the brink. Within only an hour, the river rose six inches and had begun to overcome the bridges that dared to cross the watery behemoth. (laughs) From her home, Kate could actually see the debris from the flooded bridges being dragged down the raging river. Like, can you imagine? You're just, like, standing on your front lawn sipping your coffee, and, like, a barn goes by with a cow on top. And you're like, oh. And, like, a bunch of bridges and, like, some other. And you're just like, just another glorious day in fucking Iowa. (laughs) Oh, Iowa. That's a nice cow. Yep. Iowa's just full of cows and death. <laughs> Maybe some corn. This, Iowa does not come off good in the story. Not, it's not Iowa's fault. It's just everything that happens there sucks. Like your dad dies, your brother dies, your it's home is It's not Iowa. It's just her life story. Yes. <laughs> so um, this included debris from her own barn, which had flooded and been carried away. Oh, Thankfully, this isn't one of those stories where, like, all the animals die. Kate had saved all the animals inside the barn before they drowned. But things were about to get bad. You know I love animals. Yeah. No, if I ever... Cows scare the crap out of me. Like, it, like, (laughs) I have milked a cow once in my entire life because Justin's brother made me. And it was, like, with an automatic milker. Yeah. Like, out in a field, I'm fine with cows. Like, I can pet a cow. It's fine. But in a barn where they're all lined up and it's just like you're walking behind them. Yeah. That terrifies me. I'm like, they could kill me with one fucking kick. Or all of that methane. <laughs> one I mean, well I live, with, I live with my husband. <laughs> Kelly's built up an immunity. I have. No, but yeah, like. Cows are fine until I have to like they'll, get they'll behind them. They'll fucking come at you though. Oh yeah, they no, and they, really there was dangerous. like one deaf cow in the barn, oh, and I'm like, God. I am not going anywhere near that fucking cow. I don't want to startle it. But yeah, no, ba- yeah, basically, yeah. What they had to do is like they would just touch their like her hindquarters to mm-hmm. let them know like, hey, I'm here, and then kind of like just move up her body. And yeah, they had it was all electric milkers, but still, I was like, and he yeah, he made me do one cow, and I was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> But I was, uh, Jared and I were watching a movie and I won't say what it was, so I don't spoil anything, but like literally the whole first like 10 seconds of the movie has a dog and we're sitting there and I'm like, oh crap, the dog's going to die. And then the dog dies and Jared's like, you suck. And I was like, I was kidding. And he so, knew, and he'd seen the movie before. Yeah. So he knew I was right. So he's sitting there like, cause I, I bug the hell out of Jared by guessing the twists in movies yeah. or guessing what's going to happen does next. That too. So within 10 seconds, me knowing this dog is going to die, he was just like, you fucking witch. So stop it. If there's any, ever anything you don't like in movies, such as like, you don't want to watch a movie where a dog dies or anything like that, go to does the dog die.com yes! and they'll tell they they track like so much random shit. But yeah, you can look up a movie and they'll tell you, like, does the animal in this movie die? Like, yeah. is there addiction in this movie? Is yep. there, you know, like, stuff that might trigger me in this movie? It's a really good website. Are you sick of dogs being killed off in movies? We are. So that's why you need to go to doesthedogdie.com. This has been a PSA. But not a sponsor. And this is your brain on wine. Okay. I'm just like creepily staring into the camera. That's okay. Our patrons are like, I don't want to pay this dollar anymore. I have a black circle on my screen now in my vision because I'm staring at the light. Oh yeah, I know. It's going to be, yeah, we have a light. Dude, I'm totally sober and I'm tripping out here. Okay. So Kate has saved the animals. 
they do not die. This story does not appear on doesthedogdie.com. Or it does and says no. (laughs) Yeah, right. So in the dark of the night, Kate was startled by a shrieking metal in the distance. Oh, God, I hate that noise. I think I like, I think I know what noise she's referencing or you're referencing. Yeah. It's terrible. So what had happened was the flooding river had washed out a section of a railroad bridge, uh, a pusher locomotive, which was meant to check the track condition. So, so these, these are like trains that they send down the tracks before anyone's actually supposed to go. It's just literally the locomotive that checks it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this had gone over the damaged bridge and plunged into the water, taking its four crew members with it. Yeah. Which part of me is like, okay, that's cool that you sent a train with like minimal passengers to check the tracks, but how are those dead assholes supposed to let anyone know they should not use this track now? Right. Like, is it just, oh, they never showed up at their destination. So you just figure it out. Well, based on the rest of the story, that's obviously not how it works. So I'm like, what does this do? I don't understand how this was supposed to work. It's like, well, what are the chances the bridge is going to be out? Do you want to take those chances? Like, ah. Anyway. Right, like, I feel like you should find your pusher locomotive before you send anything else. Yeah, like, get, like, tell them to send you a text when they get home or something. I don't know. God, 1800s. So, this was the horrific sound that had reached Kate around 11 p.m. at night. Uh, Because her father had worked on the railroad, Kate was intimately familiar with the train schedules and knew that the Midnight Express passenger train was due soon. And it was going to go over the same busted up bridge. Right. And if the the one locomotive that had four people in it made the bridge fall apart, what is a full train? Well, the bridge is just do? gone now. Like a giant section of the bridge is just gone. Oh, so like it wasn't the locomotive going over the bridge that broke the bridge. It was the bridge was already gone and the locomotive well, yeah, just the bridge fell off. Broke and then yeah, the locomotive went over into the water. Oh, yeah. So here we are on a dark and stormy night with a midnight train hurtling towards a washed out bridge. What's 18 to do? And sounds like the beginning of a really good novel. It it does. There there's a little bit of like Nancy Drew. In there's there. a little bit of horror story. There's a little bit of uh, intrigue. Um, midnight train to Georgia slash uh, uh, yeah. small town girl. Yeah, a little Took bit. The midnight train going down God, was that band? Why do I keep wanting to say Fleetwood Mac? It's not. What Fleetwood is Mac. wrong with me? Isn't Wheel it, in the sky. Isn't it train? No, the no. No, it's. Oh, dear God. I want it all. Now I want it. it. They're so fucked. Journey. Yeah, Journey. Oh, my God. What is it about having a mic it's, in front of me that makes don't me stop so believing stupid? By no, you should hear. I had to give a presentation in class the other day, and I like, I in my mind, I completely fucked it up. And someone was like, shouldn't you be good at this? Because it's a podcast. And I'm like, there's no audience in a podcast that I can see. Okay, and here's like, the Like, I thing. know you guys are there, and I love you. And you're here, and I love you. But- it's different. Yeah, also, she has clearly never actually listened to the podcast because this is what happens constantly. So fuck that person. <laughs> don't speak about things you don't know about. So many sidetracks. Uh, and so, me interrupting Emily. And one day she's just going to leave me because she's like, okay. you interrupt too much. I'm just going to keep talking and Kelly's going to be like doing this. I'm just going to read my notes and just like ignore I'll her. shut up eventually. No, but so I, I read some things that said, Kate was 15 around this time, but like based on the year, I think she was, should have been around 17, but she's a teenager. She's a teenage Late girl. teens. 
Yeah, mid-late teens. So Kate, guided by the light of her lantern, ran to the river where she found two surviving crew members of the pusher locomotive hanging onto a tree for dear life, which oh is like some cinematic shit right there. Right? That's something that would happen in a movie, and you'd be like, that's not how it works. It does, apparently. Apparently, sometimes it does. So Kate had to go to the nearby town of Moingona. I don't Ooh. even care if I'm saying that right. It sounds sexy the way I say it. Moingona. Yeah. Be happy I'm not saying Mongona. Oh. Or Mongina. I could say this however I want. I mean, there's no A in it. Here's the thing. Only the people in this area will care, and they will appreciate it. So she's going to Moingona. She has to go to Moingona to help. To, sorry, to get them help and to stop the oncoming passenger train. Right, like she's like, I can't do this shit alone. Yeah. Well, she, she has to get help for the guys in the river because what's she going to do? Swim? She will die. Um, and she's got to stop this train that's carrying 200 passengers mm. that's about to go over a dilapidated bridge. But to do that, she would have to cross the very bridge which the pusher locomotive, mo- locomotive had plummeted off of um. in the dark. In the rain, alone. I mean, that doesn't really seem possible, you know. Well, Kate's Kate's looking at you with this, like, bitch try me look, and she does the damn thing. I'm so, excited about this. There's actually a drawing of Kate, um, and the look on her face is one of having absolutely zero fucks to give. And it's very, like, bring it on, bitch energy. She's like, I'm ready to die, are you? Like she's challenging death. Like, are she's you ready? challenging the storm on are the very night itself? Are you ready to itself? fucking deal with oh. me? And that's exactly how she approached this monumental task. So, Good. Kate climbed up the train bridge because remember, it's like it's like scaffolded up. So she climbs up, and it normally stood about twenty five feet above the water. Okay. However, with the rising water, the gap was closing, and it was one of those things. If she fell, the fall could kill her, or she'd just get swept, swept away by and the drowned. River, yeah. yeah. Um, so Kate quickly ran into trouble. Shortly after climbing onto the bridge, her lantern shattered, oh, Jesus and this was Christ. was she on the wrong side of the river too? Yeah, she yeah, the, she has to cross the yeah, river. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is she going to do that? The bridge is broken. Well. Very carefully, Kelly, I would imagine. <laughs> Shut up, Emily. <laughs> Kelly has Finish no your story. patience for my bullshit. So her lantern, which was her only source of light, shattered. She now had to rely on the flashes of lightning to light the way. Oh, my God. As Kate crawled on her like hands and knees across the bridge, her dress kept getting caught on the mm. railroad spikes sticking out of the decaying bridge, and the splintered wood cut her hands. And everything's wet and slippery. And it's terrible. And you can't see. And like you, you, like you don't know, you're like, Feeling in it's the like dark. It's like you're blind. You're just like inching yeah, forward. Yeah, and you know there's oh a section God. of this bridge that's just not there anymore. Yeah, like you eventually like, you're going to feel like yeah. you're going to be inching your hand forward yep. and there's just going to be nothing. So if the situation oh. wasn't already dangerous enough, a fallen tree being propelled by the raging river nearly rammed her as she crossed the 670 foot long Holy bridge. Holy shit, she that thing is huge. Almost 700. The Des Moines River is like a I know, decent size river. But I mean, so the bridge must have not been fully broken I if she think, was able to climb across all of it. I think maybe there was like a section where she was able to like, like kind the, of the one her way. The, like the one plank yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't, was I don't still think there, there was like a mass gap but it was enough where a train would just go off into the river yeah but a tiny person can like 
finagle. Ninja their way. Okay. <laughs> in the dark, in the rain, and the lightning. With the lightning. With the lightning. Good God. So avoiding falling, de- falling, avoiding debris, avoiding drowning, and avoiding lightning strikes, <laughs> Kate finally made it to the other side of the river. And then she had to run the remaining two miles to Moingona train depot. Jesus I'm like, Christ. I would be so physically and mentally exhausted after that. And then to run two miles, like that's what I normally do at the gym. And I like do like a leisurely jog. Oh no, she was probably like sprinting her fucking ass off. In the dark, like. In uh, the rain with the lightning. Man, she would have been amazing at CrossFit. Yeah, she would have. She actually invented CrossFit. She's like, climb that bridge. Climb that tire. fucking bridge. If you can climb a bridge, you can climb a tree, and I'm going to throw a wrench at you now. Okay. You can dodge a ball, you can dodge a car. As if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I know, but they also, or yeah, it's if you you can dodge a car, you can dodge a ball, because at some point they have them run through traffic. Jesus Christ. It doesn't go well. It's great. That's a great movie. Oh. All right, we're going to take a break and watch Dodgeball now. We'll be back. Thank you for joining us. So. She gets to the uh, Moingona train depot and she warned the people at the depot that the bridge was out and they had to stop the fucking train. Right. That makes sense. Naturally, the grown men ignored the teenage girl trying to save hundreds of lives and called her crazy. Probably, honestly, it probably could have been a grown woman and they still would have said the same thing. Yeah. As long yeah. as it's a woman, they would have been like, what do you know? But you know, she's also a teenager and it's like, I'm sorry, did you think she she's went for probably... a leisurely two mile jog in the rain And that's the, the thing, like, you, no you'd think a girl running in soaking wet with prop, like bloody with a yeah. torn dress and you're just like, nah. Aw, isn't the crazy person so cute? Oh my goodness. Shush, honey. Shush, honey. Did you take your meds today? Who didn't take their meds Did today? Did you take your special vitamins? Oh my God. <laughs> Hursery headcanon. That is what they said verbatim. <laughs> uh, so luckily for literally everyone in this story and all of their descendants, one of the railway agents recognized Kate as he had worked with her father. Thank God. Her connections to the railway save everyone. Um, And this guy believed her. So they halted the train and Kate led a group uh, to help the survivors of the pusher locomotive that were still clinging to the tree. Um, As for the other two crewmen, the body of one of the other men on the pusher locomotive was found a quarter mile downstream. He had drowned. The fourth man was never recovered. Oh. Yeah. That's, he's probably like stuck inside that train. <sighs> oh, I don't, the idea of bodies being trapped in like shipwrecks uh, underwater and anything. Yeah. Fucking grosses me, me out. out. It always makes me think of, uh, okay, so the Pearl Harbor attack, there were some men who survived in the hull of one of the ships for 16 days. What? They weren't recovered for six months. And the only reason they people realized they survived so long was because they had open food rations in the hull. Oh, and there was a calendar that had marked 16 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then they probably ran out of air. Well, they were, they were, I think a lot of them probably starved to death. Or that. Or, you know, thirst. I don't know, 16 days. That's a long time to survive. I think, but they, but like people, seven days without water. People like heard banging and yelling, but it would the ship was like too unstable to cut into it at the time. I'm like, I would rather just get blown up, right? Fuck, man, that's a nightmare. I'd rather die right away than so that stuff like creeps me out. I just, uh, yeah, okay. 
Anyway, <laughs> thank you for introducing a horrible fear into the story that has nothing to do with it. Yay. I appreciate you. You you started it. You oh, started no, wait, it. Had, you started it. I just added to no, it. No, Kelly, you made it terrible. <laughs> I just said they never found him, and you're like, here's where he is. Yep. So. You're welcome. Finally, with everyone safe, Kate collapsed. The ordeal had been so physically and emotionally taxing that she was bedridden for three months after. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, I can imagine, like, she probably literally gave, like, everything yeah, she had. Yeah, everything oh. she had and everything she had for the next three, three months. months. <laughs> yeah, she, death was just like, you know what, girl, you can you can use a little extra. Yeah, the, the death's hanging out there like, let's kind of see if she can do it. Oh, damn. Oh, damn, Kate. (laughs) We're good. We're good. We're cool. Keep going. (laughs) So Kate's heroism didn't go unrecognized. The passengers who would have otherwise plummeted into the river and died collected money for Kate and her family. Oh, I'm glad people like told the passengers like, you know, it wasn't just like. I hope they stopped the. I hope they left out the part where they were like, "Yeah, we didn't believe her at first, right?" (laughs) You know what? No, I hope I hope they left that in, and there was the one guy that's like, "No, I believed her." Yeah, yeah, that guy's going around like stirring the pot, spilling the tea, where he's like, "Here's what really happened. Those assholes were going to let you all die. (laughs) Don't give them anything. Fuck them." So she was awarded a medal by the state of Iowa, which had been made by Tiffany. Wow, which that's is, fancy. Which is synonymous, yeah, for soups fans. Um, along with an award of $200, which is over $6,000 today. So that's like $30 per person she saved. Which, like, I'm like, man, $6,000, that's a lot. But then when you equate it to, like, per life, it's like, oh. That's not that much money. 30 bucks a pop, man? Like, it's, it's like everyone bought her a birthday gift. <laughs> Here's a gift card to Subway. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> That's when you slap that person and go, I literally can only spend it in one place. That's why prepaid Visa cards are the the best. best. Or cash. Yes, cash. Give me that tax-free cash. So she also received $100 from the Chicago and Northwestern Railway, along with half a barrel of flour, half a load of coal, and a lifetime pass to ride their trains for free, which I'd be like... The flour and coal is a little weird. I... It sounds weird, but at the time, well, that was probably what the tra- It's probably what the trains hauled. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you use flour for bacon. They're they're like a frontier family. Right. Yeah, that's So true. they need that. And, like, coal to, like, I, I would never know. get on a train after that, though. Well, she was never on the train, though. I don't care. I would be like, <laughs> no, because what if there's not someone like me to stop the train from going if, off if a bridge? If I'm on this train, then who's there keeping me from dying on this train? Yeah. No one. <laughs> I would honestly be like, I'm going on vacation. I'm traveling across the country by train. That's true. Like, I would. I have been on train once. It was actually pretty nice. So the Order of Railway Conductors awarded Kate a gold watch and chain, which I thought was very, like, sweet and symbolic, also worth a ton. Yeah, I'm sure. Kate was also given a lifetime job with the railway. Really? Being appointed as the station agent in Moingona at the same depot where she had ran to to get help. That's amazing. It was technically a new building because the old depot burnt down. Uh, I assume it's because Kate wasn't there to tell them to, like, not play with matches or something. Clearly. Or she did, and they were like, you crazy girl, and then they burnt it down. Um, They also set her up with a sweet commute, creating a train stop right outside her home. All right. Which she got to ride to work for free every day. (laughs) All right. I would be down with that. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I love that. So even years later, Kate's heroism 
was remembered. In 1980, nearly 30 years after she saved over 200 people, Mm -hmm. Kate found herself in trouble. Her farm was near foreclosure. And she was like, gonna lose everything. Oh, no. An article about the near ruin of her farm ran in the Chicago Tribune, and an auction was held to raise money to pay off her farm and her mortgage. that's so nice. I like when, I love these stories when people like band together to actually do something good. Right. Also, I I wrote 1980. I'm pretty sure I meant 1880. 1880. Sorry. You know, it's the 80s. Are you you drinking when you write this, Emily? Yes. (laughs) Everyone, everyone was like, hey, you could buy that new pair of parachute pants or you could donate that same money to Kate, who's living on like the last rural farm in Iowa. And everyone's like. I guess I don't need those pants. She's like the only person in this decade not doing cocaine. Help her out, guys. <laughs> right. Um, so Kate continued to work hard her entire life until she died from acute kidney disease on January 12th, 1912. Wow. Legacy. Yay. When the Chicago and Northwestern Railway built a new steel bridge, uh, I think in it was that like same a, location. Yeah, that same or spot. Roughly the same location. Because yeah. sometimes they won't tear down old bridges for the historic reason. And they'll build it like slightly upriver or downriver. This is where two people definitely died and where 200 more almost died. There might be a man trapped in a train in this very river. God damn you. I hate you so much. You fuck. (laughs) Your fucking face. This is what she does to me every time. Just imagine this face constantly. This is why I get punny. Because you need to pay for this crap. Okay. (laughs) Because once every like 50 episodes I do one thing. Yes. Um, so they built a new steel bridge and the locals nicknamed it uh, the Kate Shelley High Bridge. Aww. Though the name was officially something else and I don't care and I'm not saying yeah. it. In 2009, construction was completed on a new bridge which ran alongside the one that was nicknamed the Kate Shelley Bridge. Yeah. So this one was like a concrete bridge and it was like two lanes. Ooh, it was like fancy. Yeah, like super snazzy. And this one was officially named the Kate Shelley Bridge Yay. and holds the distinction of being uh, one of North America's tallest double track railroad bridges. Fancy. Super. Let me get my pinky up here. Uh, from 1955 to 1971, a passenger train named the Kate Shelley 400 was in operation. That's cool. Which I'm like, I wonder if there was like a numerical system, like where they get 400. Was. But I'm like, it should have been like the 202 because that's how many people she mm-hmm. saved. The Boone County Historical Society turned the old Moingona train depot into the Kate Shelley Railroad Museum. Aww. And it's like got a bunch of her letters and things from her family. Yeah, like, like they it's more than just the old depot. That's yeah. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. We might have to go stop in Iowa on our way somewhere else. Like the only reason to go to Iowa, in my opinion. Tell me if there's cool stuff in Iowa because all I we'll know come is see it. Adventureland. That's literally all I've heard it, about isn't Iowa. That, like shut down. No, they reopened it. I don't didn't know. they? Anyways, keep going. Whatever. Kelly's going to see if we can get ourselves killed at some shitty theme park in Iowa. So Kate's heroism has also been memorialized in poems and songs. Also, for all of you 90s babies, there is a children's book called Kate Shelley and the Midnight Express written by Margaret Wetter, which was featured on Reading Fucking Rainbow. I can fly so high. <laughs> they, d- they totally did reopen it. Uh, we should go and like yeah, see if we can not get ourselves killed. 
But yeah, I was like, oh my God, maybe that's where I first heard this story. Maybe LeVar Burton personally read me this story on his nationally syndicated TV show. Probably. So I want to end this with a quote on a bronze plaque, which was added to Kate's grave in 1956. Hers is a deed bound for legend, a story to be told until the last order fades and the last rail rusts. And I am happy to do my part to continue telling that story. Yeah, that was amazing. Patron saint of trains, Kate Shelley. Uh, I also like it because uh, the her last name is spelled like kind of like your first name with the L-L-E-Y. And I was like, best way to spell Kelly things. will appreciate that. I do. All right, so Kelly, who are you whining about today? So I'm whining about Catherine Blodgett. I know. Fucking love it. That's a that's a hell of a name. I know. Her, her middle name was Burr, so it's Catherine Burr Blodgett. It sounds like they're trying to describe something like Blodgett, you know? Burr, uh, Burr was Blodge. her mother's maiden name, so it was okay. Catherine Burr Blodgett. But not hyphenated or anything. Catherine Burbilligit. Burbilligit. So Catherine was born on January 10th, 1898. So we're kind of picking up close to where your story yeah, ended. Yeah, because uh, my story ends in 1912, but started in 1863. Yep. So 1898 in Schenect- Schenectady, New York. Schenectady. Schenectady? Yeah, because they're the weird. H is silent? Well, it's... Sh- sh- ska. Ska. Which Schenectady. C-H is ch. Yeah, but so the with H the is S. silent. Yeah. Otherwise, it's skahen ekatadi. Well, it'd be no, it'd be schenectomy. It's. I'm pretty sure it's schenectomy. Sure. Come at us, schenectomy. Yeah, right. <laughs> she was the second child of her mother Catherine and father George Blodgett. Her father was a patent attorney at General Electric, where he headed that department. So her father was a big deal. Fancy, big fancy. Deal. Unfortunately, he was shot and killed in his home by a burglar before she was born. Oh, my God. Yeah. You were two sentences in, and I'm already, like, aghast. Um, General Electric actually offered a $5,000 reward for the arrest and conviction of the killer, but the person suspected of killing him hanged himself in a jail cell in Salem, New York, before he was tried. Fucking coward. After that, her mother moved the family while she was, um, or not while she was still pregnant, like just after Catherine was born, basically. She was like, like as they're cutting we're leaving. the umbilical cord, she like sticks Catherine in a box with the umbilical cord still attached and just holds it in front of her belly. She's like, let's go, kid. Right. <laughs> so they moved from Schenectady to New York City. And so it was Catherine, her mother, and Catherine's older brother, George Jr. Because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Right. Because it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, so a few years later, Catherine's mother mo- then also moved the family to France so that the children would grow up being bilingual. I don't know why. Man, that's a... Uh, I don't know. That just seems so fancy. Well, and it... it Apparently, like, the mom did get, like, a pretty good, like, settlement and stuff from GE. You know, I mean, like, her, her, her husband was killed and he was, like, a pretty important person. So, like, they had some money. It's cool to see that the company who in no way influenced it, like, it wasn't on their property, it wasn't with their equipment. Like, No, it was, like, in his home. Yeah, they had nothing to do with it, but they're like, wow, that sucks. Let's help you out because what a nightmare you are living now. Oh, yeah. So they moved to 
They moved to France. They lived there for quite a few years and then eventually returned to New York where Catherine attended school for a year and then went traveling in Germany. I mean, I tried to go to Germany, but my train was late, so I missed my plane. That's funny. I was so pissed. Eventually, Catherine would go on to return to New York City with her family full time and go on to attend New York City's Grayson School, which is just like a high school in the area. So she attended Grayson and then she entered... Uh, Bryn Mawr College on a scholarship where she was really inspired by two different professors, a mathematician and a physicist. I'm sorry, uh, we need to hop back half a step. Did you say the Raisin School? Raisin. R-A-Y-S-O-N. Okay. Were they the fighting raisins? They were the fighting raisins though, right? I have no idea. They were the fighting raisins. They were the inspiration for the California raisins. In New New York. Yes. (laughs) So in 1970, so at this point, she's in college. A man named Irving Langmuir, um, who was actually a former colleague of her father's, so he's a guy who works at GE, and he he would actually go on to uh, be a Nobel Prize laureate. Oh, but he's damn. not at this point. Um, but he approached her and he took her on a tour of um, General Electric Electric's like research laboratory because he was you know friends with her dad and he he was like yeah you know I'll show you around and then he it's told her the least I could do for my friend's orphan right daughter. well not orphan but my dead friend's daughter yeah. who was left without a father and because she was already kind of pers- pursuing science she was he was like you know what if you complete your higher education uh, like a master's degree or higher. Um, I'll get you a job, a research position here at GE, you know, like for your father and stuff. Irving. So she was like, fuck yeah. And she enrolled in a master's program at the University of Chicago. Okay. I thought this was going to go in a totally different direction. I thought Irving was going to like be an asshole marry, or like try rapey. to marry her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I remember after your father was murdered and you were barely an infant and now you're a college woman and I'm an old creepy man. Let's yeah. fuck. Don't worry, when I like started reading, I was like, oh, is this going to get creepy? I it know, doesn't. Like, it doesn't get Irving, creepy at any point. Irving, choose wisely because two random girls are going to be judging, judging you a hundred years later, okay? Good job, Irving. <laughs> yeah, he comes out really good in this story. Good. So at the University of Chicago, she started studying gas absorption with a man named Harvey B. Lemon. Which I love his name. Oh my um, god! But they together they researched the chemical structure of gas masks, and actually at 21 years old she published a paper on this research on like the fabric of gas masks in in Physical Review, which was a huge newspaper or not like, newspaper, like but gas masks, like yeah, the like gas masks. Okay, the chemical composition of the masks, like the fabric that makes up the mask. Okay. I know. Wouldn't they already know? I don't know, but it was, I think maybe it was about like how they process, like how gases get through the like fabric part of the mask. Okay. I don't don't know. I did not delve into it. She's the scientist, and I'm over here like, wait. I don't believe you. I think you're full of shit. Explain yourself. Right. (laughs) I think, I think it was like they were making sure that like the stuff wasn't getting in through the fabric part of the gas masks. It's one of those things you don't know until it just doesn't work. Um, so she would graduate in 1980 from the University of Chicago, Chicago, and take that research scientist position that Langmuir offered her. Wait, 1980? 1918. Oh, okay. I, I might like, have said 80. 1918. It's because I put it in your head. You're just yep. thinking of parachute pants and cocaine I now. Am. Mainly the cocaine. Um, but she so she took that research position that he offered her like several years prior, 
which is great that he was still like, yeah, join. And yeah. she was actually the first woman to work as a scientist at the General Electric Laboratory Science in Schenectady, New York. <laughs> Kelly is like, you fucking assholes with your weird name. <laughs> it is. She is disgusted by you. Um, so she worked there for six years and then she was like, you know what? I want more. So she went back to school to study physics at Cambridge University with it uh, with hope of advancing further within GE. Jesus. So she she worked at the Cavendish Laboratory pursuing um, after persuading the administrators at Cambridge to let her in. Um, and Langmuir was a big proponent to getting her in because this was still like they didn't they were like we only have like ten slots why would we give one to a woman. Like uh, you it's know still what? during that time frame. I was going to ask you why they wouldn't let her in, but then I'm like, Emily, that's a stupid She's question. She's a woman. But then I'm like, Emily, are you being too judgy? Maybe no. there's a different reason. Nope. 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 There never is. It's just sexism. Right. But like I said, it's nice that Langmuir kind of stepped up and was like, no, she's worth it, guys. Like, yeah. And so she got in. She was enrolled in Newnham College, which is like the women's college at Cambridge. Okay. I didn't realize they had like a, I don't know if they still do, but at well, the time. Well, because God forbid men and women mix. Right. So she would go on to complete her degree in 1924. And in 1926, she became the first woman to receive a PhD in physics from Cambridge. Good God. So she's a physics doctor. Yeah. Doctor of physics. Doctor of physics. Uh, here is my only understanding of physics. People saying that you are like simultaneously everywhere at once. And even that I'm like. That's quantum mechanics. Whatever. See, I don't even know what physics it's is. It's Schrodinger's cat. Okay. But here's my thing. I mean, that is physics, but that's like super advanced physics. But my most basic, like the most basic principles of physics, I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> Like, it's too much. I'm like, you just blew my mind. There is, is very interesting. There is no God. Everything's an illusion. We're in the matrix. Like, I can't. I fucking can't. And now she is a doctor. So she is physics. She is physics. Sister physics. Um, so she would continue working with Irving. Um, and he had originally pioneered a technique for creating a single molecule thin films on the surface of water. So, like, just really, like thin films on water okay and her and him began working or him and her began working together and they explored that like a similar application but involving lipids polymers and proteins so basically they're just creating this like super thin thing on on just different surfaces basically so they created uh, a monomolecular coating which was designed to cover surfaces such as water metal and glass these special coatings were oily and could be deposited in layers only a few nanometers thick so like redonkulously tiny <laughs> i think is that the is that the technical the, term the technical term that's right what there. you wrote in her paper also redonkulously as... tiny <laughs> okay i'm i'm playing like this fun guessing game in my head where i'm trying to figure out like what is this like miraculous development and what is it today like how do i understand it I'm thinking of like Stephanie Kopchik with creating um, Kevlar. Kevlar. Yeah. And how I was like, oh, damn, I know what that is. This is something you see every day. Is the, oh, God. So they're they're creating like a film over surfaces that's water resistant. No, they just started with it on water. Oh, they started with it on water. But it's. This is a super thin like layer on top of different materials. I feel like it's going to be very obvious. And I'm going to feel super stupid. Kelly's just like you are. 
Oh, you're absolutely correct. It's the only thing you're right about, how stupid you're going to feel in five seconds. Um, so um, eventually Catherine kind of ended up working this on, on her own and she extended this work, devising a method to spread this coating um, multiple times onto the glass or metal. So basically like she's building up this coating on the glass or metal into it's like not a, like fire retardant. No. Stuff. Okay. Um, so she would stack these oil la- layers together, um, and it became known as the Langmuir Blodgett trough, like because they were dipping this in, into a trough to like layer these coatings. You say that like it's going to help. I me know understand it's not anything. <laughs> Using this technique, Catherine developed practical uses for this film. Um, she used barium stearate film to cover glass with forty foot. Blah, blah, 44 monomolecular layers, making the glass more than 99% transmissive and creating invisible glass. Okay, how is this something I see every day if it's invisible? She basically created the coating that makes car windows, windows, glasses, and all of that stuff clear. Shit, I was going to guess car windows, but I was thinking like, how they're, you know, kind of water resistant. And I was like, no, because it's but not that's that. that's why it's invisible. Because before, like, glass always kind of had that, like, yeah. cloudy tech kind of, like, thing to it. So it's known as invisible glass. Oh, my God. I never knew it was called that. Invisible. Okay. Like, literally, there's quotes. This is where I feel stupid. And right here. Okay. So <laughs> the, re- the reason that it's called invisible glass is because visible light, you ser- like, would reflect off the layers of glass. And cause a lot of refraction. I mean, it's kind of like this this wine glass. Like, if I look through it, it's very uh, distorted because yeah. it's got the uh, the like gradients yep. on the side. And so this film would kind of cancel out those reflections created by the glass. Give me your glasses. I want to test this out for myself. So I'm going to try and shit, read. Kelly. Yeah, I know. So. This non-reflective coating is called the Langmuir Blodgett film and is, is widely used today. It's also used in cameras. How do I look? You look, actually, you look really good in glasses. Thank you. Um, okay, I'll, I'll give you your glasses. Thank you. <laughs> it's really hard to read. I was just, Everything's fuzzy. I was just fishing for a compliment. Um, <laughs> so this type of non-reflective clothing, I already said that. Um, so the first uh, major cinematic production to use this invisible glass is actually the film Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. And even back then, even today, it's noted for its, like, really clear and crisp cinematography. And it's because it was one of the first to use cameras that had that invisible glass. Wow. Um, Once introduced, this non-reflective lens um, that was created with this um, monomolecule layers um, became used for cameras, projectors, uh, submarine periscopes, airplane spy glasses, and like I said, it's a version of it is still used today in glasses and other things. That is so wild. I can't wait to go home and tell Jared, a woman made your glasses and you should thank her. Right. <laughs> Catherine would also go on to invent the color gauge, which is a method to measure molecular coatings on glass to one millionth of an inch. I can't even, like, comprehend I know I have to like keep readjusting my glasses now because you made me take them off. Sorry. Um, so this this gauge employs the concept that different thicknesses of coatings basically come out as different colors. So oh, while examining the layering of 
acid on a glass plate, she realized that with each additional layer, which is about two ten millionths inch thick, um, reliably changed the color of the plate. So before her, before this invention that she made, the best measurement um, was only accurate to a few thousandths of an inch, and hers was accurate to one millionth of an inch. Her glass ruler, as they called it, was much more precise and showed the progression of colors and their corresponding thickness. So then, from then on, measuring like the thickness of a coating on glass became as simple as matching a color. Wow. Yeah. That's so, nuts. Um, during her time with GE, she also worked on different wartime technologies because obviously, you know, that happens. She developed a better smoke screen um, where t- only two quarts of oil could be vaporized to cover several acres. And the smoke would actually remain in the air um, a long time due to the its smaller particle sizes. This smoke screen would go on to save a lot of lives by covering the troops, thereby letting them get away so they wouldn't be exposed to toxic smoke or other things I totally, that the enemy could use against them. I totally them. didn't know that they used smoke screens in World War II. Apparently. Actually, when I was saving, or no, not when I was saving, when I was watching Saving Private Ryan, I didn't do shit for that dude. Mm. Um, and there was a part where they use a flamethrower. And I always thought that flamethrowers were used during World War One, and then outlawed because, like, how horrific to set another living human being mm-hmm. on fire. Nope, they weren't outlawed until, like, the 70s. I'm like, oh, my God, they, they you were, guys. They were either outlawed right before or right after Vietnam. I think it would be after because Vietnam was during the 60s. Yeah, I think it was outlawed yeah. after because people are terrible. Fuck, man. Can you imagine, like, of all the ways in war you can die, that's definitely got to be one of the worst. Oh, Then getting yeah. trapped in the hull of a ship for 16 days where you slowly starve or suffocate. Um, she also worked with meteorological sciences and developed a device to measure humidity um, that particularly helped um, with weather balloons as they would rapidly ascend into the upper atmosphere to help them track their humidity because that can be dangerous to balloons. Um, her and Langmuir worked on improvements to the light bulb. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. I was waiting for the light bulb to come up. Um, <laughs> and their studies on electric discharges and gases actually helped lay the foundation for what would later become plasma physics, Ooh. which I don't know much about that, but it sounds really interesting. Is that what gives us plasma TVs? Sure. I have no idea. I literally Thank just said you. I don't know about it. Um, <laughs> so Catherine was assigned eight different U.S. patents during her career. She was the sole inventor on six of them, and on two of them, she was she worked with Vincent J. Schaefer as a co-inventor. Um, besides the things I already mentioned, um, she also worked on uh, poison gas absorbent and methods for de-icing aircraft wings. Oh, nice. Right? And she published over 30 technical papers in different scientific journals. So she invented a whole bunch of stuff. Was very published, got a bunch of patents. I also um, love that her dad were, was like, the patent guy. Right. And then, and then she's she getting became, her like, own yeah. patents. So I I kept her like personal life separate because it never gave any dates. Yeah. Like, so it's on like when she was with people. Exactly. I was like, it. I don't know how okay. to interweave this. I get that. So she was never married, but she she kept a very like active lifestyle. Um she was actually most likely a lesbian. Yay! She lived in a Boston marriage. We love those! Um, but we prefer real marriages because you should be able to be actually married and not have to live in hiding and fear. 
Right. So um, a Boston marriage, if you haven't listened to our other episodes, is basically like a cohabitation between two women that are independent of financial support from men. A lot of times they it, it is viewed as not always, but a lot of times probably the early you know, a lesbian relationship, but it's not guaranteed to be that. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, those two old spinsters never found a man, but they just live in their house together with all their cats, and I don't know why they couldn't find a man. They're both so pretty, and they're so affectionate with each other, and it's right. like, they are lesbians. So, <laughs> Boston marriage could have been used just for two friends or two lovers, so it's, it's unknown if she was truly a lesbian or not, but it kind of sounds like she was. Um, so she lived in a Boston marriage with Gertrude Brown for quite a long time. And then for another period of her life, she lived with a woman named Elise Arrington, who was the director of a nearby girls school. Cool. Um, unfortunately, the reason we don't really know what her direct relationship was with these women is she didn't leave any pa- personal papers behind on her thoughts or anything about the relationship with these women. So we can assume one way or the other, but I don't really like doing that. So we're going to stick with Boston marriage and say it can go either way. It's tough because the last thing we want to do is erase someone's uh, sexual orientation from history. But I also don't want to like push something on there that might not be there. Yeah. I mean, I already know what I think and what I kind of want. Yeah, same. So so Catherine's niece and namesake, who so she was named after her, uh, ended up being an astrophysicist and civil servant. Her name is Catherine Blodgett Gebby. Wow. And in an autobiographical memoir, that Catherine talks about when her aunt Catherine would visit. And she said, quote, Catherine always arrives with suitcases full of apparatus with which she showed us such wonders as how to make colors by dipping glass rods into thin films of oil floating on water. She often spoke of her, her aunt uh, her aunt's influence on her later life and personal example of her choice in a career in science. That's super cool. And now I feel like I'm going to be a shitty aunt because I'm definitely just the like, I'm going to take you to the park and like pick you up when you're drunk aunt. Yeah, that's probably going to be yeah. too. Like I'm going to um, be the crazy one. Catherine had lived in Schenectady uh, overlooking where she was born actually. And she spent the majority of her adult life there because she worked at GE, which was in Schenectady. She also did a, Tiny bit of acting in the town's theater and volunteered for civic organizations and was quite charitable with her money through the whole time she lived there. Um, She would often spend summers at Lake George in upstate New York and pursued her love of gardening. She died in her home on October 12th, 1979. Whoa, wow. 1979? Yeah. That seems so recent. Doesn't it? You know? Like, so I mean, she, she was born been in 80, 1998 or 1898. 1898 yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Not even drinking. I'm getting wine hiccups. So she would have been 81 years old. Damn, girl. Yep. She should have just like coated herself in that like invisible glass and been right. like come and live forever. Death. <laughs> so she received uh, numerous awards both throughout her li- uh, lifetime and uh, posthumously. Uh, I'll just do a quick bullet list. Bitchin' bullet list. Um, so she received a star in the seventh edition of American Men of Science, which recognized her uh, of as one of the thousand most distinguished scientists in the United States. Suck I lo- it! I love that it's called American Men of Science, and they gave it to her anyways. Suck it! In 1945, so these are the ones why she's still alive. 
The American Association of University Women honored her. In 1951, she received the prestigious Francis Garvin Medal from the American Chemical Society. Uh, that same year, in 1951, she was chosen by the U.S. Commerce of Science as one of 15 women of achievement. In 1951, she was honored as she was honored in Boston's first Assembly of American Women in Achievement, and she was the only scientist in that group. The mayor of Schenectady honored her with Catherine Blodgett Day, which was June 13th, 1951. That, <clears throat> that's cool. I love when they used to give people a day. like that Just for in, one day. It wasn't like a reoccurring thing. Yeah, but like that in ticker tape parades. I want a ticker tape parade. I want it, but I know it will kill It's so the bad earth. for the environment, it's I so know. so bad. Can I just get like biodegradable ticker tape? I'm sure we Where can. like every bit has a little seed in it so, and the city turns into a forest. Yeah, great. In 1972, the Photographic Society of America presented her with its annual achievement award because I said a lot of the invisible yeah. glasses used in photography. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell Tyranny too. And the the final thing, the only award that she was awarded posthumously in 2007, she was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Guys, we need a petition to get her into the Women's Hall of Fame. Yeah, she's she's got to be like on their list. I really hope like so. Like every year they induct so many people, she's got to be on there. But I feel like I don't even need to do like a legacy portion for her because clearly like this, exactly. Um, and that's kind of why I waited for her to do Pointing it. Pointing at the camera. Exactly, that's why I waited to do it for the video episode. Pointing at glass. All, well, and I mean at computer screens. Pointing I mean, some of, some of them are like plasma now, but a lot of them are pointing at the monitors, yeah, really. pointing at the lights. Um, yeah. So her work is, you know, seen like everywhere. And I'm sure it's advanced a bit since, you know, she did it, but like she laid the groundwork. Yeah. And that is her legacy. I love that. So photographers, filmmakers, glasses wearers, car drivers. Basically anything that uses like a see-through style, non-distorted glass. Thank Catherine. Thank Catherine. Yes. I'm going to get my car tonight and be like, thank you, Catherine. Just like stroke it. Yes. Except not really, because then you'll leave finger. You did I'm not even flinch now. when I did that before. You were so in the zone. I know I was. It thank was you. impressive. I know I like felt you do it, but I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. You I'm gonna didn't keep even like your eyes didn't flicker. And I was like, am I losing it? <laughs> I just don't blink. Never. So Kelly... What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Hmm. I don't know, actually. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know, like, I'm thankful. I feel like I talk about this every, like, other week on the podcast that I'm, like, I feel like I'm just thankful for really dumb shit. You know what we should do? We should just, like, write the things that we're always thankful for. I need to. Put them in a jar and then, like, little them. slips of paper, grab, like, well, I'm this week I'm thankful for. My dogs, they're so fuzzy and cute, I'm going to die. I mean, they are. They uh, are. I'm going to go with I'm thankful it's finals week, and even though I only have, like, a week off between semesters, I'm, I'm I don't know. I, this semester was just kind of very blah, like, it, neither, the, like, one of the classes was kind of interesting, the other one not so much, and I had that professor that I didn't like from last semester uh, again this semester. You and know this who is, you are. This is the last <laughs> semester I have her, so, like. Yay, but then again, I'm also taking four classes next semester. I mean, like, two of them are separated, so I'll only ever be taking three at a time, and technically one of them is only a weekend. But I'm still like, oh, that's going to suck. 
and yeah. I kind of hate that I only have like one week off instead of like I don't know two or like a month back when we were in college yeah well it's, it's one of those things like when we were in college you know most of us we had our, our campus jobs or our jobs back home but for the most part when we were on break like we were on break, but you right. are literally working a full time job. So it's not like you get the next week off. Well, you my just don't have technically to do year that. round too. Yeah. Like they call them semesters, but technically they're trimesters. So we have like yeah. three in a year. And then, yeah, we only have, I think like our longest break might be two weeks and yeah. that might be after our summer. I was going to say, is that like your summer break? Well, because technically this, this coming, the semester that starts in two weeks is summer semester. So we don't have, a, we don't have winter. Okay. We have summer, fall, and spring. Cool. So actually our longest break might be... I kind of wish that's how Mother Nature actually worked because fuck winter. Um, I, Our longest break actually might be after fall semester. I think we get two weeks just because of Christmas. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. I don't remember. Cool. Well, I'm really proud of you. Like you're, you. you're killing it with schooling. Like the idea of going back to school makes me physically ill. It's just... Um, so I the, know to like, do what I want to do. I, I know, have to but go like back to just school. the fact that you're passionate enough to like do the damn thing is really inspiring. Because I'm like, I can't think of anything I'm that passionate about where I'd go back to school for it. Like, well, thank you. I'm so over that. <laughs> I'm too old for that shit. I wasn't good at it then. I'm not going to be good at it now. I'm already way overwhelmed. I am, I am doing far better now in school than I think I ever did when I, I was think younger it's weird because I think if I could go back in time with like who I am now and go back to college I would do a lot better because I'm just like more mature I would also branch out more yeah like I very much like because like there was like a psych like social group and then there was like a whole bunch like I feel like I would actually like try and do shit like that because yeah. I didn't the first time around because I was like nope I have my little group of friends and I'm just well, gonna stay within my group of friends I was so depressed and self-conscious oh, yeah, was, all the well, time you slept like 90% yeah. of the time, like I would go to get Cassie, your yeah. roommate to go to lunch at like noon or 11 before one of our classes. And I would be and I would like stick my head in and I'd be like, Cassie, you want to go to lunch? And I'd be like, does Emily want to come? And she's like, no, she's sleeping. Yeah. That's and then called, I'd ask Cassie if she wanted to go to dinner and I'd be like, does Emily want to come with? No, she's sleeping. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's called depression. Yeah. <laughs> I had no energy and I napped whenever I could. I'm a lot better now. <laughs> well, and I would say even by the time we got to like senior year and we were living together, you yeah. were a lot better. It was really freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. That was, I think, the I worst think it was also you. that kind of thing where I like had the uh, the freedom to nap where yeah. I was like, I'm tired. Oh my God, I can do something about right. it. I think it was like, bitch. <laughs> half depression, half, yeah. I can just do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no sense of self regulation with naps. Yeah. No. I still have that issue. It's weird. It's like late at night and I'm like, I just kind of want to go take a nap. But then I'm like, that's going to bed. No, sometimes when we go to bed, <laughs> when I go to bed with Justin, I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yep, I'm going to nap till tomorrow morning. Yes. Yes. And that's what I say to my dogs is like, they never got the hang of like bedtime. Like sometimes they seem to understand, but they understand nap time. I love so it. So if I say nap time, Dory and Navi, our youngest, get really excited and run to the, it's funny because they get so excited to go to bed and I'm like you are far too excited for this but then they like lay down and they're like out and I'm like yep. okay you went from like 10,000 to zero real yes. quick what are you thankful for I'm not um, gonna forget no you're fine uh so I'm thankful for the fact that I have been on antidepressants for over a month now um and 
I'm not having any serious side effects. It has like affected my appetite where my appetite is less, but it's more just like if I have a schedule for eating, it's fine. I'm fine. Like I'm not not eating or anything. It's just like but you're I not don't starving cry. yourself. You're right, just right. not hungry. It was actually there was like a couple of weeks in because I didn't understand what was happening. I started getting like feeling really weak and getting the shakes, and I realized oh crap, I forgot to eat because I wasn't like feeling hungry. But now I'm just like, well, I just have the times of day that I eat. I'm fine. But the thing I'm really thankful for other than like not really having any serious side effects is that I've been really stressed out. I've had a lot of things that are triggering happening in my life. And for a long time, my go-to thought was, God, I wish I was dead. I wish I was fucking dead because I hate this and I feel like there's no way out. And now those same things are still happening and I'm just like, okay, bring it on, bitch. You right, know? you're like, I can like, deal with this. I'm not having those like at the, at the slightest bit of stress, that immediate thought, I wish I was dead. And it was one of those things I didn't realize how bad it had gotten until that wasn't my instant reaction yeah, I was like I understand that oh that was bad like you get so used to feeling that way that you start you like logically know it's not right and that it's not healthy but you're just like I just gotta get this is just a bad day this right. is a bad week this is a bad month this is a bad year which I think everyone can agree on 2020 was a bit of a nightmare <laughs> sorry it made me think of friends <laughs> So I did the clap from the Friends theme song. Oh, <laughs> love life's DOA. Da, da, da. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was like, what? This hasn't been your month, your what day, you your doing? week, or even there. your year. I, I, get, I get what you're saying now. I was like, the fuck are you doing over there? <laughs> okay. I'm just clapping for no goddamn reason. But that was kind of like a really positive realization because for a while I was like, well, are they working or am I just like yeah, you thinking just don't they're know. working? Yeah. But yeah, like getting like an angry email from someone and me being like, Oh, it's so weird. I don't want to kill myself. Yeah. Cool. See, I had the problem where like, I just didn't feel anything. And yeah. I really, I didn't read. Yeah. Again, I didn't realize it until I was on medication. And then like, suddenly I wanted to do stuff and like, yeah, I was experienced things and I wasn't just like going through life. Like, meh. Yeah. And I, I still, I still need to get into therapy. I still yeah, need I to like too. explore my options for that because what you went to a therapist. Oh no, you went to a psych, psych psychiatrist well, to get meds, but because I, I, I am still struggling with depression. Like I'm, I'm tired a lot. Uh, sometimes I just don't want to do something cause I don't feel like things I enjoy. I'm just like, Ugh, but I'm tired. I don't want to move, Yeah. but yeah, I'm happy because the meds have at least helped me get to the point where, okay, I'm at the point where I can handle like my daily stress level and move forward with like getting help to address the rest of it, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I'm thankful for that and kind of coming to that realization and being able to like brag to Kelly and brag to my boyfriend, like, oh man, I got the shittiest email today and I didn't want to kill myself. It's amazing. It is. <laughs> it is a great thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. Good. Yeah, I'm thankful. And thank you to, you know, everyone who like comments on us talking about our mental health and that makes you feel like you're not alone because you guys feel like we're not alone. You guys sending us messages makes us feel not alone because sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's just like me and Kelly are crazy. (laughs) I always think like, I'm like, should I be talking about my mental health on the podcast? Like, is that too much for, you know, like, is that too much? Yeah. And so like hearing the people being like, no, I'm glad you talk about it. It's like, okay, good. Like, yeah, it's it's self-affirming, you know, and I'm not like that person that people are going to listen to the podcast and be like, well, she's crazy. 
crazy. Yeah. I'm just going to listen because she's crazy or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think I mean, what, I, a little crazy. I think what we've talked about and what we go through in particular is a very, very relatable to a lot of people, especially 2020 has been a really rough year for everyone. Um, and it's 2021 now, Emily. We're four months in. Actually, we're almost five months in. Oh, my God. It's almost May. What? Yeah. Fuck. I think it's May, like, <laughs> next Saturday. Oh, my. It is. It is. Not, not. Yeah, next yeah, Saturday. Yeah, next Saturday. Oh, my God. I was feeling so good for, like, five seconds. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> no, my. But, you know, like, 2020 was yeah, a rough 21 year. Is, it's 2021 still is still rough. Year so rough. Um. But yeah, yeah, but I, I'm thankful that I finally took a step towards managing my anxiety and depression yeah. and that it's We all helping. know how good that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening or watching another episode of Whining About Herstory. Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at Pod, and find our website at whiningaboutherstory.com. You stole my website spot. You don't say the no, website. No, I do. Because I, I go... Twitter at WH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com and our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com where we would love to hear from you. Well, our website is so nice you say it twice. Also, we also have a tea- <laughs> <laughs> We also have a Teespring. If you go to teespring.com and search whining about herstory. Uh, we have some sweet merch and we'll probably be getting some new shirts up that we've mentioned. Um, we also have a Patreon, as we mentioned pri- previously, where some of you are watching us and some of you could be watching us for as little as $1 a month where, you know, you can keep the wine flowing and be part of a cult. Haven't you always wanted to be part of a cult? Yeah, a but like a cool cult. cult where we don't kill ourselves. We actually talk about it's how ru- great it is to not kill yourself. Right? And it's run by two vagabonds. Yes! Some va- podcasting vagabonds. Some whiny motherfucking vagabonds. Some sweary, whiny motherfuckers. There you go. Yes, love it. Uh, also, please rate us five stars. Wherever you listen, it really helps people find the podcast. It costs you nothing, and it gives you warm fuzzies and some much-needed karma. You know what you did. I keep sticking my tongue out, and I think our our patrons are going to think I'm crazy. I keep going. (laughs) I'm crazy. I've had too much alcohol. What do I do with my face? (laughs) (laughs) It's the, your mom told me your face was going to get stuck like that. And it did. It absolutely did. It did. Yeah, that's how this happened. And to everyone watching, I am so sorry. And my mother told me so. And here we are. Yeah. This is why we do audio primarily. (laughs) That's why you only get one video a month. We got faces for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye. Hit the button.